Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. Sundays past here, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about the various names that um, the cultures have had, the Hebrews have had for God. El Olam is the Hebrew name for the God who has no beginning and no end. The, the God for whom a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. His plans stand firm forever, plans to give you a future, and that future is full of hope. 
Is it any wonder that the eternal God wants a people that he can love eternally? It's pretty hard to fathom that God's love is stronger than death. Is that really so difficult? Is it impossible to believe what can happen to souls who are created to be wide and deep enough for God and for him to dwell there? Well, it's no wonder that Scripture tells us that the Lord has set eternity in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, there is so much tremendous news, news of uh, children being born into this uh, church body, news of uh, young men and women coming together and, and pledging themselves to each other forever. And first and foremost this season, Lord, that the news that your son, Jesus Christ, came to this world, that he came to uh, give us the hope of eternal life in you. And Father, as we uh, dwell upon these things today, Help us to know that the message that you would have us to hear today is one that we can hold in our hearts, one that we can share with others who have not heard the gospel message, and one that can uh, allow your light to be seen in us in all that we say and do. Be with us now as we worship together in your name. Amen. Good morning. We're going to sing a Christmas carol that's familiar to all of you. Uh, we're singing to a, a band arrangement rather than a hymn tune arrangement. So we'll be starting out with a chorus. Uh, oh, come let us adore him. There's only a three-beat introduction. We'll come right in on the chorus and uh, follow the band. We'll be singing the first and second verses. Then there'll be a little short interlude, and then we'll start right in on the third verse. Come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. 
in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. The length of our days is seventy years, or eighty if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. The truth, is it, the truth of the eternality of the Messiah is something that has come under continuous attack for centuries. But the inescapable fact is that all groups who reject the eternality of Christ also rejects his deity. The two are inseparable. If Jesus is not eternal, he is not God, and vice versa. Yet Isaiah said that when the Messiah came, he would be the physical embodiment of the everlasting Father. scripture. The symbolic use of the word father was an ancient Hebraism for possessor of. In Isaiah 9-6, the Messiah is described as both a son and a father. He became a child in time through incarnation, but he is the father and possessor of eternity. He inhabits and possesses eternity. For this is what the High and Lofty One says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly 
and to revive the heart of the contrite. His name is eternal. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. All nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. He is the eternal provider. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He is eternal in all that he is and all that he does. This implies several crucial truths claimed for God's Messiah in both Old and New Testaments. He is pre-existent. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is self-existent. In Exodus 3, we find the name I Am. This name describes and defines the God who is. He is totally independent of his creation and totally independent of time. The ability of Christ to be a timeless source of fatherly protection and provision is claimed in a number of ways in the New Testament. His character is described as eternally consistent and unchanging. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. John the Baptist, whose birth preceded Jesus, still recognized the eternality of Christ when he said, This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me surpassed me because he was before me. He is the eternal one. The self-existence of God's Messiah means that he will not leave us, as all earthly fathers eventually do. The eternal God took upon himself the limitations of a human body so that he could bring us into an everlasting relationship with himself. May it be so for each of us today.
praise band is going to lead us in singing, but uh, we want to spend some time just in prayer as well. I know I received a request this morning from Karen. She knows a uh, gentleman named Jerry. He became a Christian last weekend, and um, he's dying. He may not make it through the day. We're not sure, but she's asked for prayer for Jerry. Uh, you may have as well folks that you'd like to remember in prayer, and we're going to um, we're going to sing this song. You're welcome to come and to pray at the altars. Bring whatever need you have. Maybe you just want to thank the Lord for how He's blessed you, how He's um, taken care of you. But this song um, that we're going to use as a prayer chorus talks about surrendering. And just remember, when you come and you ask the Lord to do things for you, to give you this, to give you that, what He's looking for is that you give him all that there is of you. So um, as, as we sing, as the praise band leads us, you're welcome to come and pray or to pray from your pew, and then I'll close our time.
we've heard these prayers. Lord, you have um, registered them up at your throne. And we thank you, Lord, that when you ask us to surrender, you take the first step. That on Christmas Day so many years ago, you surrendered your right as God and became a man and took on flesh and humbled yourself. God, help us to humble ourselves and to give all that we have to you. Lord, meet the needs that are expressed through the prayers that are offered this morning. Prayers for wellness, prayers for healing, prayers for spiritual restoration. Lord, you know what they are. You know our needs. So God, bless us as we surrender to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that uh, one more time as uh, we end this time of prayer. I good, isn't he? Three weeks ago, we started this Advent series based on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This prophecy of the coming Christ was given hundreds of years before his birth. And it tells us that this child would be special, that he would be unique. Of course, the one that Isaiah is speaking of is Jesus. And today we're going to look at Christ as the everlasting Father. The Salvation Army's third doctrine tells us that there are three persons in the Godhead, in the, in the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, three persons, yet one God. And we know that Jesus is the Son of God. So why would Isaiah call this coming Messiah, who we now know to be Jesus, why would he call him Eternal Father instead of Eternal Son? It's interesting to note, if you go back to some of the earliest translations of the Bible, they render, render this title Eternal Father as Father of the Future Age or the Father of Eternity. When we understand Christ's title in this way, it makes more sense. Jesus is the eternal Father in the sense that Christ lives forever. Christ will reign as 
King of kings and as Lord of lords in eternity. And, and he's given us the ability to have eternal life through his sacrifice on the cross. In this sense, he truly is the father of eternity. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 and verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is eternal. He was in the beginning, and nothing exists that he did not create. He is God. He is God. Yet he became man. A great mystery, isn't it? In this sense, he is the father of creation. He is truly our eternal father. Today, as we look at Jesus, we're going to look at three qualities of what eternal father means to us. The first eternal father quality is that Christ's character does not change. His mercy, his love, his grace, his forgiveness, all those things we know about Jesus, who he is, those do not change. From the dawning of the day to the setting of the sun, his character is completely unchanging. From eternity past into eternity future, Jesus' character never alters. Look at what the Bible says in Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Remember the story of the, the prodigal son? In that story, the son goes off into a, a far country. And, he, and there he squanders all of his money. And when he runs out of money, he runs out of friends. And uh, he ends up in this... Uh, hog pen, eating from the same slop that the hogs are eating. And for a, a Jewish person, this is the most humiliating experience that could possibly be. And as he, as he sits there, he starts thinking of um, how many of his father's hired men have food to spare. And, and here I am starving to death. So he decides he's going to Set back out. He's going to go back to his father. Well, how could he ever think such a thought after what he's done? Why does he think that he can go back home and be welcomed there? How could he come to that kind of a conclusion that after all he had done, he could be welcomed home or even be allowed home? Well, you know, it's because he knew the character of his father. He knew what kind of father he had. He knew that the character of his father did not change. He knew that his father was full of forgiveness and love. 
and mercy. And how did he know that? Well, I'm sure growing up, his father had shown love to him. As we read the account of the prodigal son in the beginning, we see the the example of that loving father because that was the father's character. He may even have said to his son, no matter how far you go, no matter um, what foolish things you do, you can always come back home. You're always welcome here in my house. So the prodigal said, I'll say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. It's a speech that he kind of came up with, and and he must have practiced this as he was walking home, exactly what he was going to say to his father. But, you know, before he could even blurt it out, his father sees him and runs to him, throws his arms around him and kisses him, He had no fear in expressing his love, did he? And you know, the beautiful part is that our eternal Father always leaves the door open for us to come back home again. No matter how far we roam, no matter what stupid things we do, no matter how badly we mess up our lives, he's there to throw his arms around us, to assure us of his abiding love. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The next eternal father quality that Christ is, is that Christ's compassion does not change. Throughout the Gospels, we find that Jesus was full of compassion. Matthew 9.36 tells us that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? With compassion. For them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. In Mark chapter 1, verses 40 and 41, we read Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. In the story of the prodigal, son that I just shared. It um, says in verse 20, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with, that's right, compassion, he ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. His father was full of compassion. It became his motivation for movement. It got him on his feet. He got up and he ran to his son. The word Compassion means suffering with one another, painful sympathy, a sensation of sorrow prompted by the distress or misfortunes of another. Compassion is a mixture of passion compounded with love and sorrow. It's quite a complex emotion, isn't it? When life has been hard, when we've been dealt a bad hand, when disaster after disaster just seems to follow us around, when the whole world seems to be falling in around us, our everlasting Father is moved with compassion. And this isn't some uh, sentimental emotion because the compassion of Jesus moves him to rescue us. 
The compassion of Jesus moves him to save us. And know this, the compassion of Jesus does not change. We live in a world where we can get pretty broken up, scratched up, dinged up. Right, Major? That's right. We get dents. We get bruises. Sometimes physically, sometimes emotionally, and even sometimes spiritually. We live in a world where we can get hurt. We can have broken bones, broken relationships, broken hearts. That's the world we all live in. And I'm glad we have someone who will have compassion for us. I'm glad there's someone who is moved because of our suffering. I'm glad there's one who is moved with compassion because he loves you and he loves me. And you know who that one is? That's Jesus, our eternal Father. The third eternal Father quality of Christ is that his commitment does not change. When Susie was born, her mother gave her up for adoption. Even though she grew up in a loving home, in a very real sense, she felt that she had been abandoned. Even though she was loved, she had been abandoned by her birth mother. Because of this event, she always had issues of uh, self-worth, and, and she just questioned her value. But then one day, she met Jesus. She realized that she was loved unconditionally by God, her eternal Father, that she had infinite value and worth in his eyes. And you know, after she realized that, after she owned that, she no longer considered herself to be an accident. She realized that her eternal Father would never abandon her. Folks, eternal means everlasting. It means forever. When this term is applied to Jesus, it is always a declaration of his faithfulness, his trustworthiness, his goodness, his love, and his mercy. Isaiah calls the coming Christ our eternal father. The prophet Jeremiah also testifies to the Lord's eternal faithfulness, trustworthiness, goodness, love, and mercy in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 26. When this was written, Jerusalem had um, fallen into the hands of the Babylonians. The temple had been looted and destroyed, and the people were grieving and mourning in captivity. But their eternal father hadn't forgotten them. He hadn't deserted them, though it sure looked like it from outside circumstances. But Jeremiah writes this praise to the everlasting Father for his faithfulness. Here's what he, he writes. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercy never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I say. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for deliverance from the Lord. 
God's made a lot of promises to us in the scriptures. And one of the things he promises is that um, he is committed to us. He is committed, and that commitment never changes. It is eternal. Look at what God says to you in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. This is in the message translation. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you a future, the future you hope for. So Jesus is our eternal Father. He's always there for each one of us. He will not abandon us. His character does not change. His compassion does not change. His commitment to you does not change. And I think in the manger, we get our first glimpse of our eternal Father in the form of of this little baby sent to give us everlasting life. I'm amazed at how fast Christmas is approaching. Um, This week, we do our, um, our distribution of food and toys. I can't believe it's here already. And then next week, it's, it's Christmas. It's almost here. A lot of us are probably hectically making last-minute preparations, getting everything together. But I hope in, in all the busyness of these next few weeks that you won't forget or neglect the promise of eternal life made possible in Christ. He is the reason that, um, that we have something to celebrate because he came into the world to provide us this great salvation. We're going to sing a, a song in the manger in just a moment. And um, as we do, I invite you to turn your attention to Jesus, to worship him, to commit yourself to him, to trust him. Uh, he has come to bless us, and he has blessed us. And in the manger, we see a, a concrete example of that blessing. Lord, you are love and faithfulness. We have so much to thank you for, for loving us when we were unlovable, for your mercy, your saving grace, your counseling, support, comfort, and healing in our time of need. Continue to help us in our daily lives and with our spiritual growth. We want to glorify your name and share your love with others. These things we ask in your precious name. Amen.
God bless you. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.